What should I do with my legacy commission business? That is today's question on the Transition to RA question and answer series. It is episode number 61. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RA model. Uh, if you are not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all of the resources I make available, the entire uh, question and answer series in video format, podcast format. I have white papers. Uh, again, all kinds of great resources to help you better understand the RIA model. That is transition to RIA.com. Go check it out. Okay, on today's episode, this is kind of a follow up to a prior episode I did uh, where we're talking about if you're that advisor that wants to maybe move into the RIA model, you know, but, but you still have some amount of commission business, you know, one, can you, can you make that transition? And then two, what are the solutions available for you to accommodate or, or kind of resolve that part of your, your, your practice, that commission part? Uh, like I said, I did, I did an episode earlier primarily just on as so-called RIA-friendly broker-dealer solutions, and I'm going to touch on that again on this episode as well, but we're going to go into, into a couple more different pathways that advisors have available to them uh, of, of how to essentially accommodate uh, or resolve that commission business you might have. Uh, and I would tell you, this, there's two main reasons advisors uh, consider, oh, hey, maybe I need to, to have a resolution here. Um, and it's not so simple as just going, oh, let me just go 100% fee only and I'll drop FINRA altogether. And, and there I am solely as an RIA. And the, the, the two kind of primary reasons there are to uh, protect a client relationship and then also possibly just the amount of revenue you're currently receiving. And so what I mean by that is, if, if your sole uh, a, a relationship with a client is, is solely a single commission account, maybe it's an account, maybe it's a 529 plan, something along those lines, if that is the extent of the client relationship, uh, well, at that point, you can consider whether that's even worth carrying on and bringing over with you into the RA model or, or simply walking away from it. And we're going to get into kind of some different solutions here. But, but more often than not, what the case is, is that, that that commission piece is tied to a client that also has an advisory account. So if a client of yours has a, a million-dollar IRA account or a $2 million IRA account, it's an advisory account, you clearly want to bring that with you to the RA model. But they also have perhaps a variable annuity that, that still makes sense for them to have, or they do have a 529 plan or whatever the case may be. And so if you were to, for example, walk away from that, you're, you're now jeopardizing someone else being introduced to that client relationship and possibly trying to take the rest of the client from you and the, the advisory part. So we, we do have to consider, okay, do we need to protect a client relationship and and, and which path you might take with this. Uh, and then the other one is economics. So some of it comes down to, well, how much, how much revenue, how much production are you generating from this commission part of your practice? And so if it's a, a very small part of your practice, potentially there is uh, a better path to say, hey, let's, let's see if we can whittle that down. Let's see if we can walk away from that or whatnot. Again, I want to get into some of the solutions. Um, but for many advisors, it's a meaningful number. And, and, and there could be uh, some legacy VA positions that have been built up over the years, and, and maybe the advisor is not necessarily looking to, to do more new VA business. Maybe they are, but, but generally they're not. It's legacy things. 
but but in some instances, those those positions are paying off hundreds of thousands of dollars in trails every year. Uh, they make sense for the client to stay in those positions. Again, maybe there's a uh, a client relationship to protect, and so it's you, you can't just easily walk away from two three hundred thousand dollars in in trail and production. So that that has to be considered as well. So as we go through each of these, we'll kind of have that as our lens of of why some of these solutions are more appealing than others, depending on your specific circumstances. Uh, and then the last thing I would say before I jump into the list as uh, five solutions we're going to go through um, is, is keep in mind the RIA itself, if you go to the RA model, an RIA itself cannot accommodate commission business. No, nothing's changed, no new regulations or anything like that. Under the RIA itself, you would only have advisory accounts, advisory relationships. However, it is possible for an investment advisor representative of an RIA to also potentially be wearing two hats. Many of you are wearing two hats now at your current firm. You might be under the corporate RIA of your firm and under the corporate broker dealer of your firm. So it is possible to potentially be under an RIA, your own or someone else's you might join and also be wearing alongside of it, the hat of maybe a registered rep with a broker dealer or some other sort of solution. And so um, just, just to, to keep in mind, as I talk about, hey, transition to the RA model, oh, there's a way to accommodate commission business. Again, nothing's changed. The RA itself does not accommodate it. It's can you put something essentially alongside of it that can potentially accommodate it for your needs. So to go through the list uh, in, in no particular order here, except for the first one's just kind of the the easiest one to toss out there and it generally involves folks that it's a, it's a very small part of their business. And beyond that, this is not an order of, of best to worst or, or vice versa or anything like that. Uh, so the first one is to simply walk away from the business. So if you are, I'll give you just the most easiest example, of course, if you are in a kind of a extreme example, if you are 99% fee-based and 1% of your practice is commission, and none of that 1% is a, is a situation where you need to protect the client relationship. That is solely the extent of what you have with that client is solely a 529 or whatnot. If, if, if that's the case, it might simply be easiest for you to just walk away from the business, leave it behind at your prior firm, whatever the case may be. At, at some point, that number is just so small from a, a revenue perspective or from a client number perspective, that, that you do have that option to potentially just walk away from it uh, or put differently, simply don't move it with you to whatever your next path into the RA model is. So simply walk away from it. Uh, I won't belabor that point too much because for, for many folks, that's easier said than done, but just know that is a solution and, and it, does, it does occur at times um, when, when the situation uh, warrants it. So uh, that's number one. Number two is to potentially convert some of that commission business into fee business. And you've maybe been doing this over the years anyways, where you've been moving clients from more of a transactional commission type relationship into a fee-based relationship. Um, and, and maybe you think you've ran the full course on that and oh, all I have left are variable annuities or 529s or those sorts of things. And there's an increasing marketplace out there, if, if you will, uh, for solutions that in, in some, not all, but where you could potentially convert some of those existing positions into a essentially a fee-based chassis. And I did a whole episode on this with respect to insurance products, uh, particularly as an example, you, you might be able to take a, a variable annuity that was originally issued under a commission kind of chassis. Uh, and there's a potential 
to convert that into a fee-based variable annuity for the client. Now, obviously you need to do this with, with the client's interest first. Does it make sense for them to leave whatever current structure they have and convert it? And, and the providers that help with this help you do that analysis. And in many instances, it is better off because depending on the timing of when that original variable annuity is put in place, maybe the environment has changed to the point where actually it's advantageous for them to leave this particular variable annuity and convert it into this fee-based one, which then you can carry on under the RIA model. Um, but other times it might not be. And again, that's an analysis that needs to be done, but just know there is an increase in uh, kind of ecosystem available that you could potentially convert a lot of your legacy positions that were traditionally thought of as commission positions more into a fee-based chassis. And, and that is a way to, again, whittle down uh, either in part or entirely your, your commission part of your practice potentially. So uh, that's number two. Number three is to sell your commission part of your practice. Now, this gets tricky, of course, with that if, if you have that client relationship dilemma where the, the client has both an advisory account and a commission account, um, that, that can get harder to do to sell it. But I'll give you an example of where uh, I have seen that happen. Um, if an advisor is per perhaps at a firm and the commission product is some sort of proprietary product of the firm they're at, um, and, and maybe it even cannot be moved. So even if you wanted to move it, you couldn't. Um, and even if, even if that client has an advisor account with you where you, you can't move that commission account because it's a proprietary product, which is, we won't get into that in this episode, but one of the, another example of a reason you, you wouldn't necessarily want to use proprietary products is this captive situation you then find yourself in. But uh, the idea is, so you might, a solution that might be to sell it to an advisor that's remaining at the firm. Now, you obviously would want to be comfortable with whoever you sell it to, that they won't in turn go and then try to poach the rest of the client relationship. So usually these are done on a very personal basis with someone that the advisor personally knows and feels comfortable with. Um, and, and it could be a good thing for that receiving advisor because, hey, here's, here's new business for them that's proprietary, it's sticky, it can't go anywhere, it has to be serviced by someone. And so you can enter into that relationship uh, and, and make that work. But again, the key is you want to be really comfortable with who you're selling it to so they don't try to poach the rest of that relationship. Or simply, if you have a large part of commission uh, uh, part of your practice and there isn't that client relationship situation, you have an asset. And, and, and oftentimes these are trail paying positions and you have the ability to sell it to someone. Again, even if that client relationship situation is not in play, as opposed to just simply walking away from it, you could potentially try to sell it uh, essentially as part of your practice. Hey, here's a commission part. Obviously, those don't have the highest multiples applied to commission parts of assets, but oftentimes it's reoccurring revenue because it's trail paying positions, not always, but, but oftentimes. Uh, and, and there is value in that. So you, you do have the ability to potentially sell it to someone. And that is your way to kind of extract you from that part of the practice. Uh, the next one, and this is again, what I did a prior episode on. So RIA friendly broker dealers. So what this is, is if you were to start an RIA, or again, there's, there's pathways where you could join an RIA. I did a whole episode on why, why you might want to join one. And if, and if that's the case, they've already kind of set up this, this apparatus for you. But if you were to start an RIA and you go through the traditional process with that, there are also, as they are, there's informally called RIA-friendly broker-dealers who their main business model is to say, hey, advisor, we understand you have advisory assets and you have commission assets. 
And those commission assets are so large that it makes sense for you to want to keep them. Again, you don't want to sell them or walk away or whatnot. Um, so, hey, we, the RA Friendly Broker Deal, would love to have you put your commission business with us and you can do new business and you can just hold those legacy positions, the trails or whatever the case may be. And you go over here and you start your RIA and you have the traditional RA custodial relationship and everything you need to do with that. And, and we're not going to take any of that revenue. That's 100% yours. We're going to stay in our lane over here and we're going to give you a traditional, it's usually an independent broker dealer style payout. And we do have some slight oversight. We have to, for regulatory reasons, we have to do of your RA. But for the most part, we stay out of your RA. You keep 100% of the revenue. We, we like our part of the business, our share of the business over here. Uh, and that solution absolutely exists. It's something you absolutely can explore. And, it, and that is a pretty typical thing out there. I don't have the exact stats of how many RAs have it. I had to guess from looking at ADVs over the years and whatnot, this is just an absolute guess, maybe 25% or so of RAs have some sort of RA-friendly broker-dealer solution alongside them. So just know that that solution does exist. It is available. Like I said, I did a whole episode on that. You can dive deeper uh, into that as well. Uh, and then the, the last one, the fifth one is kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of a new uh, evolution in the marketplace, and it's kind of an extension of that RA-friendly broker-dealer solution. And it's it's typically a firm that is also an RA-friendly broker-dealer. It says, hey, you know what? We're also going to offer another option here to advisors where they, as the broker-dealer, they say, hey, advisor, we realize you might just not want anything to do with, with FINRA or, or a broker-dealer anymore you just as well drop your seven, move on, not have to deal with that commission part of your practice, not have to do deal with any sort of oversight or anything like that. And so what they say is, hey, move those commission assets to us, to our broker dealer. Uh, you drop your seven because you don't, you don't need your seven because you're formally moving them to us. You will, you will not be the registered rep on those assets. Uh, and then those assets we sit there, we, the broker dealer, will service those assets, but we will commit to a couple of things. We will not, under any circumstances, try to poach the client relationship. We are essentially a holding spot for those assets, to protect those assets, to do the service that is per perhaps necessary. The client needs to do a change of address, wherever the case is, uh, we, will, we will protect that. We, the broker dealer, will retain the trail on that because... You, as the advisor, if you no longer have your seven, and certainly if you don't have your, your seven with that broker dealer, you cannot receive the trail. You cannot share in those trails. So they retain it. However, what they do do is turn around and hire you as the RA for fiduciary guidance on what they should do with those assets. So they say, hey, you now have brought us 50 million in variable annuities or whatever the case is. We, uh, broker-dealer, will take your guidance on how these should be managed, perhaps in the sub-accounts. So we will hire you to do that, typically on a basis point uh, on, on the assets. And you will provide that guidance as the advisor. You will get paid on it, but you are not directly receiving the trail. You are not directly sharing in the trail. You are not a registered rep of that broker-dealer. Um, and I think that's going to become a more and more popular solution because it does solve for the desire of many advisors to fully move away from that FINRA world, from that broker-dealer world, and to be 100% fee-only, that advisors don't want to wear those dual hats anymore. And that is possible under this solution because you are, you are formally putting a Chinese wall where you're saying, hey, I'm going to move those assets there. They are the, the broker-dealer on it. 
I am simply hired to provide guidance on how those positions should be managed. Um, and, and so you can continue to receive revenue on it. You can you know that the client relationship will be protected. Uh, and I think we're going to see more and more of that um, because it just it makes sense. It's a it's a place if, if positions can't be converted or you don't want to sell it to someone, it helps the client retain those positions. You can still uh, be involved in it, still certainly protect the client relationship. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's a win for all parties because I never want to overblow anything and make it sound like there's, there's not pros and cons because there's always pros and cons to things. Um, as an example, for instance, you generally would make more revenue for yourself if you just went with the full RA friendly broker dealer solution where you are the series seven and you are directly receiving the trails. But again, that comes with the trade-off of uh, still being in the FINRA world, still being a registered rep. So everything has its pros and cons, but that, that last solution is not necessarily even a, a name for it kind of yet does exist. I think we're going to see that continue to, to grow and increase. And, and certainly there's advisor interest in that for, for a number of different reasons. So again, those are the kind of five main ways you can, I don't want to say resolve as, as if it's a bad thing, but if you say, hey, I'm not 100% fee only now, I want to go into the RA model, but, but how do I solve for my legacy commission business? And that is most advisors that are first making the move into the RA model do have that to think through. There's, of all the conversations I have, it is extraordinarily rare that I would be talking to someone at a traditional broker-dealer firm, wirehouse firm, independent broker-dealer, whatever the case is, that's, that's already 100% down to every last account fee-based uh, because if they are, and I'd say, well, why haven't you already made the move to the RA model? So typically, probably you and, and essentially most all advisors I talk to do have some sort of commission business does need to be solved for. And so that's some of the solutions we talked about today are, are, are kind of how to navigate that. Um, but I would tell you, every, and I say this in, in, in practically every episode, every advisor situation is unique. So I've, I've kind of explained this at a high level, but it, it again, it depends on what are those client relationships? It depends on what, how big is your practice. It depends on how much is that commission part generated for you in production every year. So please take this at a, at a high level. You really have to dig into your specific circumstances to kind of figure out which of these paths might be best. Uh, and then the final thought I'd leave you on with this is just, the I'll use the expression, you, you, there, there has to be enough meat on the bone for a lot of these solutions. So as an example, RA-friendly broker-dealers, or uh, as an example, or the solution where, hey, you're just turning to that broker dealer, they are holding the assets, you're breaking free from FINRA, uh, those sorts of things. It has to be worth the broker dealer's while to, to go into essentially partnership with you on this, this solution. Um, that if, if you are generating a million dollars in fees and commissions, and only 5,000 of that is commission trail revenue, most of these solutions are not going to be able to, or not, they will not work with you because there's not, they're not even receiving the full 5,000. Uh, and so that math just doesn't work for them. So there, there needs to be enough meat on the bone for the solution provider to make it worth the while. So a lot of these solutions do have minimums to say, hey, we'd be more than happy to accommodate you under this structure under the assumption that there's a minimum of either X in production or X in assets involved or whatever the case may be. And it's the same even kind of thing. If you want to sell your, your uh, like we talked about one of the solutions is sell that part of your practice. It's just not worth your time or someone else's time. If that's just a small little part of the practice, that there needs to be enough meat on the bone for, for the counterparty to make it worth their while. So just 
keep that in mind as you as you kind of think about these solutions. Again, that's the sort of thing I help advisors talk through every day is like, okay, how do you solve for this? And that comes back to what I was saying, how it's so unique to every advisor situation, because how much meat is on the bone, how much commission part business is part of your practice. And, and then we can start thinking about how we should or shouldn't whittle it down. And, and just to show you, and this is an extreme example that uh, it, it, it's not just size alone. It's, it's just desire. And this is a number of years ago before that final example or solution I gave where you could, you could essentially park assets and, and kind of put that Chinese wall. I, I knew an advisor who walked away from hundreds, I think it was two, 200,000 in trail revenue on commission business, simply walked away from it as opposed to trying to find some solution because they were so ready to move on from just a FINRA affiliation, a FINRA world, wanted to be 100% fee only. At the time, unfortunately, there were not some of these solutions or they were not as robust. Uh, and the advisor chose to just simply say, you know what, that's fine. That And, and this was a larger advisor. So uh, it was easier for that advisor perhaps to walk away from 200,000. That's still a very meaningful number. Um, but, but at its extreme, again, some advisors are just so ready to make that break that they'll do that. Um, rest assured, the minimum sizes for some of these solutions are well below 200,000. I don't want to give the impression that was not the holdup against some of these things just weren't as robust at the time this occurred, but just proves that every advisor situation is unique. So uh, I hope this has helped you kind of think through what these solutions are. And again, I have this conversation uh, all day long with uh, advisors. Happy to have that conversation with you as well. Uh, so like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RIA. Uh, th these sorts of conversations, again, whether it's talking about your specific practice, should you even be going into the model? model how does it work if you do want to go into the model? How do you solve for all the different things you need to solve for along the way? So solving for your commission part of your practice is just one of those check boxes that you work through the process. I help advisors work through, figure out how to solve for, who are the solution providers that can help you with that sort of thing. Uh, happy to help you with that as well. Uh, like I said, at the top of the episode, if you're not already there, if you head on over to transitiontoria.com, uh, you can find all my resources, again, the videos, podcasts, white papers, and at the top of every page is a contact link. If you click on that, you can instantly and easily schedule time to have a conversation with me to talk about today's topic or anything else RIA related. I'd be happy to have that conversation with you. Again, transition to RIA.com. And with that, I hope, uh, sorry, I hope you found value on today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.